What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome. We're so glad you could be here with us. I do want to say this disclaimer. If you can drink Coke and look like Malcolm, I'm going to start drinking more Coke, right? Can I get an amen, man? How are you going to bust them out on that? I'm talking about drinking Coke, please. Um, listen, real quick in this series, we've been doing kind of a social media challenge, and I want to give you an opportunity to participate uh, in case you're not participating. So here's what we do. We kind of put out a, a scenario, and we ask you throughout that week to post a picture on social media, and the winner gets, not only do they get kind of a, a what we call a swag bag, but they're going to get their picture put in the, in the logo of the series. So I'm going to show you real quick. The theme last week was, to take a picture of you playing games, some type of board games, video games, whatever it is you do, with a group of people because we've been talking about community. So these are the winners right here. All right, let's check this out. So you got Chase and Sam Lowry, Sam and Quang Pitch. Now, y'all don't get to see them very often. I want to take a moment to just celebrate them. They lead V Kids Elementary right in the gym. Go and give them a hand, right? Two of the most incredible people you'll ever meet. So if you got kids down there, when you go down this, this morning, thank them. So one of the reasons they won is because look at all the random stuff in the picture, right? I don't know why this boot thing is here. Uh, I guess that's lotion. And then can you get any better than that right there? Look right there. It munching on it. And so they're going to win. And so let me show you what happens when you win. Go ahead and go to the logo. We put the picture now in the logo of the series. So you check this out. So we had a, a group of people win last week for eating out. This group game now. This week, everybody say, I'm listening. This week is an embarrassing moment for you, all right? So as we all know, we, we post our embarrassing moments on social media. Normally, I would show you an example, right, of, from my life. Like, this is an example of something. The production team thought it'd be funny to give you three examples, all right? For some reason, they gave one last time. They give three examples this time, so I'm going to have to give a disclaimer a little bit, all right? So this, this was back in Memphis. This was my, uh, one of my spiritual fathers right here, and you can see me showing him some respect. I still don't think he knows we took that picture. This was a Halloween uh, dress-up contest we were at, and uh, this is Quang, by the way, in case y'all are wondering right here. This is Quang. Uh, y'all don't know this guy, but then this is, I mean, come on. Am I right? right? We were fitness. Uh, we look stylish. But this is my favorite one. When we moved here and I started to try to get this church's name out, I, I was referred to more people than my actual name. Uh, Travis, all kinds of different things. So I got some stuff from Home Depot that we could use at the farmer's market to make for kids and donate. And they said, yeah, come pick up the box. I got there to pick up the box. And can you see what that says? Tony Powell. In case you're wondering, my name's Troy, okay? And so we spent the whole time just kind of having to be able to convince people. My favorite story, I'll move on. There was a gentleman that learned about the church through an interest party, and I texted him. I said, hey, man, this is Troy with Victory Church. Love to hook up. He texted me back, hey, Travis, you know, I'm a little bit busy, da 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 I thought, hmm. So I sent him back, hey, man, this is Troy. That's great. Let me know. Okay, Travis, I'll let you. It was the weirdest thing ever. So anyway, so if you get a chance, post a picture, an embarrassing moment, hashtag TNVictory. Hashtag my best life, okay? Hashtag T and victory, hashtag my best life. Cool? Y'all good with that? You ready for the word? Open up in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We'll put the verses on the screen. Also, in the app, we now have a notes section. So you can hit notes. It'll have all my notes from today's sermon there, and you can kind of follow along, look at the verses. Uh, you can check it out throughout the week. So follow along with us, Acts chapter 2. The series My Best Life has been about Community. I believe that our best life, I said this last week, that's all my best moments in life. It was less about what I was doing and more about who I was doing it with. 
And I just believe our best life means the people we're hanging out with. It's the community we have. It's the friends. Last night, the, the team that sets up V-Kids, we went out and ate afterwards. It was just a great time. I just love what God's doing in community, and that's what this series is about. And we, we made this statement. We said, as the culture moves further and further away from community, the church should move closer and closer to community. And so last week, we talked about this, that community is necessary, that it's a necessity, not just a luxury. And so we walked through how God modeled community, and then we talked about how the enemy attacked community, and then we broke down the Hebrew of Jesus's posse and walked out how the three best friends that you have will show you your future. And we talked about that. My youth pastor said to me all the time, show me three best friends and I'll show you your future. And we kind of went through that. If you didn't, if you weren't here last Sunday, you didn't get to see the message, get online, get on the podcast, listen to it. I love the way it ended. And so this week, here's what I thought. If I'm going to get up here and tell you that community is, an, is a necessity, then I need to also get up here and tell you what community is. I can't tell you that something is a necessity and you walk out of here not knowing what it is that is a necessity to your life. And so I want to walk you through what community actually is. Now, hold on and listen. Depending on your culture, depending on how you were raised, whether you grew up in church or didn't grow up in church, you might already have a preconceived idea of what community actually is. For example, if you were raised in church, you might think community is Sunday school, or you might think it's the Wednesday night Bible study, or maybe you had some type of small groups or something, and so in your mind, that's community, right? Or, or if you did, if you weren't raised in church, then community is the crew you partied with, you know what I'm saying? Or community is the neighborhood and who you lived around and how all your neighbors spanked you, you know what I mean? Like, that's community. And so depending on what your culture is, you might already have this preconceived idea of what community is. And here's what I'm asking you to do. For the next 30 minutes, set that aside for a second. Whatever, you, whatever you've been taught is community. Set that aside and just follow along with me. Because you can do things that look like community and yet they miss the DNA of community all along. So I want to walk you through the DNA of community in Acts chapter 2. There are three things, all right? And so we're going to see three common things that break down the DNA of community in Acts chapter 2. So here we go, verse 42. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so we said last week they devoted themselves to church, small groups, eating at the Mexican restaurant, and praying, right? Like that's, I mean, who, that's the best church in the world. There we go. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all of the believers were together and had everything in common. Come back to that. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In those five verses, we see the DNA of community, okay? Three common things. You ready? Here we go. Number one is this, common people. You see what they said in verse 44? You see, everybody gathered around and they had what? Everything in common. So you've got a common people. They had, they had everything in common. This was the verse I studied the most this week because I was confused on how such a large group of people could have everything in common. Let, let me tell you how difficult it is to have everything in common with a large group of people. After service, gather six people and try to decide on a restaurant to go to for lunch. 
right? It's almost impossible. Let me tell you how impossible it is. The other night, me and Darla were getting ready to go to bed, and I wanted to watch. I was, I was actually in the middle of watching The Fifth Element. You ever seen that movie with Bruce Willis, Fifth Element? I love that movie. So she comes in, and she changes it because that's what you women do. And so she changed my channel, and we were getting ready for bed, and I said, hey, can we finish watching The Fifth Element? And she goes, no, I don't want to watch that. And I said, come on, you're not even giving it a chance. Like, it's Bruce Willis, it's Chris Tucker. Like, you know, I mean, come on, let's do this. Let's watch this. And I just keep on getting her. You're, you're not giving it a chance. You're not giving it a chance. And we couldn't agree. And here's what she did. I love what she did. She looked at me and she said, uh, since you're an illustration guy, she said, you asking me to watch Fifth Element is like me asking you to watch Downton Abbey. I said, enough said. Enough said. Let's go to bed. We're done. We're done. And so two people can't even agree on the same TV show. And now everybody has everything in common? How does that make sense? And, and here's what I'm beginning to understand. Having everything in common doesn't mean you all agree on the same restaurants or the same TV shows or the same style. It doesn't mean that. We're, we have been convinced by culture that common people means that everybody has to look like us and act like us. And that's not what it means at all. That does, that's not a common people. I want to take you through what I believe exists in common people. The first thing that exists is openness. In order for you to have a common people, for you to be able to have everything in common with people, you need to have openness in that group. Here's the problem with openness. Anytime you open yourself to community or relationship, you also open yourself up to ridicule, right? Anytime you go after the reward of relationship, there's a risk that comes in that. What if they hurt you? What if they backstab you? What if later on they make fun of you? There's always a risk in opening up to relationship. And so here's what we want to do. We don't want to become vulnerable, but we want connection, right? I want a crew, but I don't want to be vulnerable with you. And so what I do is I mingle with a mask. And as long as I mingle with the mask, I can, have, I can appear to have a crew, but I'm never opening up and allowing myself the risk to actually experience ministry. And so we go through these, these masks, and here was my thought. First, I'm going to use me as an example. First, you got perfect Powell, right? This, this is the Powell I want everybody to think I am. So I want you to think that I can eat donuts and still have an eight-pack. You know what I mean? I want you to think that my kids are angels and I don't ever raise my voice at them. I want you to think that Darla and I don't ever have a fight and we're a perfect marriage. I want you to think that I'm both the genius and the star athlete. Like I want to present myself as this perfect human being because it's who I want you to think I am. Is it just me? Anybody else think that? Anybody else do that? Okay, I'm talking to myself, apparently. I'll watch the live stream later, okay, since nobody's here for this. So, so you got perfect Powell. Then there's phony Powell, which is what I believe is what the enemy wants me to think I am. So you got who I want you to think I am. Then you got who the enemy wants me to think I am, which is a failure, right? My wife doesn't love me. My kids are bad. I can't do anything right. I'm unsuccessful. You know, I have no friends. Nobody likes me. And all these processes. So you got perfect power over here. I want you to think I'm this. You got phony power over here. This is who the enemy wants me to think. And then right in the middle, you got practical power. And this is me. This is who I really am. And it's right in the middle of both because I do, there are some strengths about me, but there are also some weaknesses about me. You know what I mean? It's the reality of, hey, this is who I am. And so for you to really be able to connect with people, you have to be willing to open up with people. There has to be a moment where you take off the mask and just become who you are with the people around you. Because listen, while wearing a mask, you can always impress, but you can never connect. You can impress, but you will never connect. There's a verse in James 5.16 that says, Therefore, okay, therefore, watch this, confess your sins to each other, 
so that you may be what? Healed. So you're telling me that we can find healing in community. Isn't that what that Bible's saying? Isn't that what that verse is saying? Confess your sins to each other. Who's each other? Not the priest, right? It's not Pastor Troy. It's, it's, your, it's your community. Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. There's healing in opening up to your community. But watch this. The healing doesn't happen until you open up. Do you see the order? Confess your sins, then you're healed. It didn't say walk in with a mask and be healed and then 10 years later tell them about your problems. Confess your sins, and then you'll be healed. So openness. Next, I think there needs to be needlessness. And here's what I mean by that. There's a verse in Acts chapter 4 that kind of sums up this early church, and it says it like this. There were no needy persons among them. I think you and I become common the moment you don't need something I have plenty of. The moment you no longer need for anything, and then no longer I need. Look, I don't mean you need to have a BMW and all that. I just mean if there's something that you need and I have plenty of it, you should have it. There should be no needy people among us. That's incredible to me. That was true community. If, and there was another verse that said if they needed something, they would sell what they had and give it. One of the things I committed to God a long time ago, I love clothes, always have loved clothes. And, and anytime somebody's wanting to buy me something for birthday, I say, just give me money. I can go shopping, clothes, whatever. And so I made this commitment to God, and, I, and I, I've done it for probably 10 years now. I said, every time I get new clothes, I will go through my closet and bag some of my old clothes and give them away. Right? If you're going to bless me with new clothes, then I'm going to go take my old clothes and I'm going to give them away. And over this 10-year process, I've been able to bless so many people, people that were in my community group that would be wearing clothes that I gave away because they needed They didn't have to go buy new clothes. There wasn't anything wrong with them. I just didn't wear them much anymore. And so my process was if I don't need it and someone else needs it, I'm going to give it to them. You know, see what I'm saying? Like they need to be able to have it. One of the best things I've seen just recently, a gentleman that's in this church, his name's Larry, and he has this principle of, of being able to meet needs. And so, like, I'll give you two quick examples. One Sunday we were in here, we were setting up, getting ready. One of the young ladies that's on the V-Kids nursery team, her car tire went out, and she was on the interstate. They couldn't even get off the phone before he said, where is she? He jumped in the car and was gone, gone to change her tire. Like, you know what I mean? That, that, that's that concept. This past Sunday, I don't know how many of you knew this, but right after service, after we broke down, I jumped in the car and drove to Memphis to perform a wedding for a spiritual son of mine, and then turned around and drove back here Sunday night. So we packed, there was going to be four of us total, and we went to go in Jamal's car. And Jamal got one of them fancy cars that only one person can fit in. You know what I'm talking about? And so everybody was like, we're all going. I'm like, not in this, we're not. And so no lie, Larry said, oh, here, y'all take my car, and I'll take Jamal's. What? You're going to let us put 300 miles on your car? You know what I mean? Like, and to us, most of us, that just doesn't make sense. But that's the spirit of there are no needy people among us. When you're going to be a common people, you all have to be without need. See what I mean? So you got to have openness, you got to have needlessness, and you got to have equality. you got to have equality. Now, I understand this can be a touchy subject. I don't have the kind of time to really walk through this. But let me give you my statement for equality. To be equal, the people don't have to look like you. Everybody has to look like him. That's just the answer for me. Quality doesn't mean they look like you. It means they look like them. You know, it, the whole concept, again, same color, same ethnic background, same, same uh, uh, social background. No. The only thing the Bible ever says about equality is this, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now alive in you and me. What does that mean? We don't have the same color. We don't have the same mom and daddy. We don't have the same place we raised them. What do we have the same of? Same spirit. 
That's why when it talked about these believers, it said they were one in heart and mind. One in heart and mind. They were equal in the spirit of God in their lives. So to be a common people, you don't have to like the same restaurant. You don't have to like the same style of clothes. You don't have to like the same TV show. You need to be open. There needs to be no need among you, and you need to see yourself as equal. That's why Jesus said in John 17, I pray that they will be one as we are one. He was talking about the Trinity, him and God. I want them, us, to be one with each other like we are one. Now watch this. What does that mean? Openness, needlessness, equality. What does that spell? One. For us to be one with one another. Now we are a common people. When you wonder if the group is common, don't look at color. Don't look at age. Don't look if they have kids or not. Look if they're open, without need, and see themselves as equal. That's how you know there's a common people. Make sense? If you don't understand, this, this week I'd written two sermons. That was a whole sermon and then the sermon I'm preaching. So I had to kind of force that in real quick for you to get it. But a common people. Next is a common place. So you've got a common people. Now you've got a common place. Here's what it said in verse 46. It said, uh, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So now... The, the early church is always meeting in a common place. And then I started thinking about this and going through the seasons of my life, and I'm like, man, every season of my life where there was community, there was a common place. Let me show you what I mean. When I was little, there was a ditch across my apartment complex that we always played in. That was like our version of the treehouse. So there was a common place. We always went there. As I became a teenager, and maybe you were like this, in your group of teenaging friends, there was always one house you hung out at, Right? You know what I mean? Like you always had that friend and you always went to that one house. And so our house happened to be that house. And so that was the deal. And then as we were youth pastors, every Wednesday night after service, we'd go to Applebee's. Every Wednesday night, we had this common place. And I just started to learn, wherever there's community, there seems to be a common place. I'll show you again. On TV shows that have community, watch this. Anybody watch Saved by the Bell? I'm about to date myself real quick in here. If you watch Saved by the Bell, their common place was what? The Max, right? They hung out at the Max. For those of you that might be a little bit older, maybe you were Seinfeld people. i never seen the show. But it said they hung out at Monk's Cafe. And then you had Happy Days at Al's Diner. And then for all you females, Gilmore's Girls, Gilmore, I can't even say it. What is it called? Gilmore Girls. What do they have? Where do they go? Luke's Diner. My wife has a shirt with Luke's Diner on it. She asked it, who is Luke? You better, you better be in the Bible. And so... Boy Meets World, that's my favorite one. They hung out at Chubby's. And then for those of you that watch Friends, where do they hang out at? Central Perk. Look at this. You have shows that are all about community, and they all have what? A common place. It's almost like this was meant to be. What if it was like this from the beginning? What if it happened from the beginning of creation that God designed that there, wherever there might be community, there might be a common place? What if I could show you in the Bible? What if we read Genesis 2? Watch this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Watch this. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Before God ever created man, he created a place to be intimate with him. Before God ever formed Adam, he had already made a garden, a common place for him to have intimacy with Adam in. God wants us to restore the common place. When we restore the common place, then all of a sudden we can start to get common people and start to see community. 
Well, what makes a commonplace so good? Let me tell you what makes a commonplace so good is that it allows us to feel comfortable and then we get vulnerable, right? I, I like to get my hair cut a lot and I'm really, really uh, picky about my haircut. And here's why. I think you can be the most beautiful person and if your haircut gets wrong, you look rough, you know what I mean? And then to make things worse, you got to wait like two weeks tops before you can even look okay again. So, you know, you got to be real careful. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was scarred. Let me explain. When I was younger, I had the whole Eminem look. I wanted to be Eminem. And so, like, the top hair, top part of my hair was shaved at like a two, and the sides were a one. Let's just say that for the sake of this conversation. I went to get my hair cut one time. The person shaved a one on top and a two on the sides. Even if you miscommunicated what I said, that don't make sense. Do I want to prep for balding? Like, why do I want hair long on the side and none on the top? You know what I mean? So, like, I was scarred forever. And so every time I went to get a haircut, I was always like, you know, I don't know. We need to walk this process. So uh, one time, this is about two or three years ago, I found this young lady at the Supercuts in an area called Bartlett. And she cut my hair really good. And I was like, I'm coming back to you every two weeks. I'm coming to you. And this stuff happened. Then guess what? One day I walked in and guess what? She wasn't there. And I had a busy schedule. And so um, this other lady cut it. She cut it. So then she cut my hair for a little while. And then a few months went by and guess what? She wasn't there. And so this process happened to where about six different girls at the place cut my hair and they all cut it well. And so I started getting real comfortable there. You know what I mean? Like I just walk in and they'd be like, who you want? I'd be like, I don't care. You're all great. You know what I mean? It was just perfect. Like just, it just was beautiful because you have so much confidence in a good haircut. And so one day I go in and I'm asking, like, no, I'm not here, asking, I'm not here. Like she's new, she's new. And I'm like, uh. And so I said, I said, all right, well, I trust y'all. So I sat down and they said, okay, Diamond's going to cut hair. <laughs> Diamond? So all of a sudden, <laughs> I hope she don't watch live stream. All of a sudden, Diamond turns the corner. Diamond was a biker, okay? She was a biker lady. So she turned the corner in black chaps and a black leather jacket, and she had just been smoking a cigarette outside, and she was like, hey, what's your name? And I was like, oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> if, I, if I come out of here with any hair, I'm happy. You know what I mean? And so she starts the whole process, and I tell her, back then I was, my hair swooped to the side, and I had like a really uh, definite part right here. You know, they would kind of shave it down. It was a part right there. And so she comes in, I explain it to her, and she's like, I got you, hon. I said, no, 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 let me, she said, I got you, hon. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so she begins to cut my hair, and the process goes. And, and I still know some of the girls that were there. You know, they know me just from coming in there. And about halfway through, I, I'm not lying to you, I was trying to share the gospel with her. So I'm in there telling her about Jesus, telling her about what I do. And she's at this time, has turned me away from the mirror. That's your first sign. When they do that, be like, no, 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 put me back, put me back, let me see. And, and so the whole process goes on. And all of a sudden, one of the girls working there walks by and does one of these numbers. And I thought, oh, no. And so then I could see it now. I could hear it. People were talking. And, you know, they thought they were slick. She'd go over and talk to them, And one of the haircutters over here would come by like, like she was checking the computer. Come by. You know, when you do that, like, laugh where your cheeks blow up, they're like, I'm like, what is happening? And finally, I'm like, Diamond, can, can I see what you're doing? Sure, honey. She swings me around. And the part was, was, it was sharp in the back. And as it went toward the front, it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and when it got right here, it was this wide. I'm not kidding. <laughs> this church, this wide. I said, what are you doing? Just shave the whole side of my head off. Like, what's happening right now? And here's what she said. No lie. She said, I'm sorry. I sneezed. 
I've been here the whole time. You hadn't sneezed one time. I think I would know that if all of a sudden it was like, ha, shoo, I would, I would catch that. You know what I mean? You didn't see. What happened? Like, what happened? And so, you know, she was like, I'm sorry. And so I'm like, what are you going to do, right? So they didn't charge. I left. I called Darla. I was showing her pictures. I'm like, because we were going to the beach for the vacation like the next day. I'm like, babe, I'm glad nobody knows us there. You know what I mean? And she said, what are you going to do? And so I went to Walmart and I bought a hat and I wore the hat all week at the beach. My body was tan and my hair was as white as could be. I just wore the hat the whole time. Now, listen, I understand that doesn't really help (laughs) the concept of becoming vulnerable to a common place. But I'm telling you that to tell you that the more you have a common place, the more you become vulnerable and the more you become comfortable and more ministry will happen on a couch than will ever happen at an altar. Because when you get around common people in a common place and you realize that everybody struggles with something, everybody, there's not a person in here who's perfect. Everybody struggles with something. And when you start to share that in a common place with common people, God will start to move in that place and begin to set people free right there because you're in a common place. What if I told you Jesus had a common place? John chapter 18. When I found this this, this week, I was blown away. I'd never really read this. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and he crossed the Kidron Valley onto the other side. There was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, watch this, knew the place. How did did Judas know the place? Because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Jesus had a place. Jesus had this common place that he went to where he met with his disciples in hopes that they would become vulnerable so that they would hear the gospel that he was communicating, so they would hear the Bible that he was teaching. And here's what I love about Jesus, and here's what I love about God, is that when God created man, what did he create for us to have community in? A garden. And that garden was lost through through the fall of man and through the enemy. And so when he sends Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to model after my dad, and I'm going to find a common place place to meet with my disciples, and it's going to be in a what? Garden. God said, I'm modeling it that before I ever created man, I created a place. And Jesus says, I'm the son of God. I could meet anywhere, but I'm going to have a place. Why would we ever not think that there was importance in having a common place to create real community? For some of you, the common place is going to be a house. For some of you, it might be on the football field playing flag football. For some of you, it's going to be the neighborhood walking with Miss Barbara. There's going to be a common place where common people can start to open up and really talk about what God's doing in their life. But it's biblical, y'all. It's biblical. Now, here's the deal. You can have a common people in a common place and still miss. Just go to Starbucks. (laughs) Common people in a common place all over the world. The difference in what separated the disciples and the early church is this. They were a common people meeting in a common place for a common purpose. They had purpose. This is what made them so dynamic. The first verse we read said that they did what? They they, they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostle, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then the last verse, uh, verse 47 said, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So they were meeting for a purpose. You want to know what the difference between community and a clique is? Purpose. Those of you, you might have been hurt before because of something you've experienced. You say, man, I don't like community because it's nothing but a bunch of cliques. 
Listen, I believe you saw clicks. But the reason you saw clicks is because you saw community without a purpose. And so it becomes a click. And when you build community with a purpose, you start to impact lives. We are a purpose-driven church with purpose-driven groups. We do everything on purpose. Everything we ever do has a purpose. We believe you're here on purpose because what? You have a purpose. And God wants to use that purpose to save and impact other people's lives. And our purpose is the same purpose that the early church had then. And our purpose is this, to help restore community between you and God. That's it. Why do you do small groups? You want clicks? No. To help restore people's community with God. And I'm going to show you how we do that. I'll show you how it makes sense, but I want to read this from C.S. Lewis first. He said, the church exists for no other purpose. You mean we, we, we get together for bake sales? No. We get together so that we can, you know, hang out and, and do Bible studies, or we get together so we can hang out and do jam sessions? No, all that's great. But the only purpose for the church, the only purpose for the church is to draw men into Christ. Draw men into Christ. To make them little Christ. I'm going to talk a lot more about this next week in the concept of discipleship. But the purpose of the church is to draw people to Christ. The purpose that we have for groups is to restore your community with God. Let me show you what I mean. Just show you an example of how our church's purpose and the small group purpose works. So the first thing you do is you come to church and we want you to come to know God. For some people, they don't know God. They have no relationship with God. They've never been to church or they have a, a skewed view. And so as they come into victory, we want to introduce them to Jesus. We want them to understand that the Lord is in this place. And so they commit their life to the Lord. Some people come and they used to go to church and they used to commit their life to the Lord, but they've walked away and now they can recommit their life to the Lord. And here's my favorite thing about the South. Many people walk in thinking they've had a relationship with God for years only to find out they haven't. And they start it now the right way. So Victory Church, you come to know God. Then you go from knowing God into small groups where you get freedom and community. Say, freedom? How are you going to get freedom from a small group? I'm going to walk you through that next week. But you find freedom and you find community. So once you find freedom and find community, guess what? You go back to the church, and now you're making a difference. So how do you make a difference? You go through growth track. You find out what your purpose is. You start serving in ministry. There are people teaching the Bible to your kids right now as you're learning this. There are people who are in the parking lot helping you park. There were people who ate, got here at 7-something, 6.30 in the morning to get all of this ready so that you could experience the presence of God. There were people who came here and warmed up their vocal cords so they could lead you into worship. You find your purpose and you begin to make a difference, and it always will point you to community. So it points you to either lead small groups, so you go back to either lead small groups, or listen, God will place you in a small group so that you can minister to those who are in it. There's a purpose we're not just having church, folks. There's a whole purpose behind what we're doing. Come to church to know God. You should be bringing lost people into this place so they can know God. Then we go to small groups so that we can be set free and find relationship. And then we come back to church and find a place to serve and to make a difference so that more people can what? Know God. It's important for us to be able to find our purpose so that we can make a difference and be able to help people know God. And then we find our purpose in small groups and we help other people find what? Freedom. It's a cycle. You see it? Tim, you come to know God. You find freedom. You serve in your purpose in the church so other people can know God. And then you find yourself in a small group leading so other people can find freedom. This is what God was processing. God said, listen, Jesus said this, I got to go. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to resurrect to be at the right hand of the Father. I got to go. 
So I'm going to set you up. And I'm going to empower you and put you with a community into a common place. And I'm going to give you a common purpose so that through you, people will come to know Jesus. And people will be set free. And people will be changed. And people will then become disciples just like you. And we will have a whole bunch of little Christ. And we will make a movement. And everything that we're concerned about in our country will be fixed through the little Christ. Do you know what my responsibility is? you know what it says biblically? Watch this. People say, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to preach the word. Nope, that's not my responsibility. I do that, and I'm going to explain to you why, but just walk with me for a second. Well, your responsibility is to save everybody in Tennessee. No. Your responsibility is to not drink and not watch secular music and, you know, whatever. Like, no, no uh, yeah, but listen. According to the Bible, my responsibility is to equip the saints for ministry. What does that mean? It's to empower you to minister to the church. Most people who come to our church are here for about 35 minutes before they ever see me. But they've been ministered to by 100 people. My job is to show you and to empower you and to equip you and then get out the way. And let God use you in an incredible way. So one thing I've always seen when people don't like community groups is like, well, we already got church. I understand that. The church is where we come to be able to break open the word of God and for me to equip and empower you. But the house-to-house ministry, the seven days a week, is for you to impact those in your group and those around you. There's purpose behind groups. Can I show you what I mean? I want to read this to you, then I'm going to show you a quick video. When we were in Memphis, this is actually 2016, so two years ago, we had started a small group. Amber and Andrew, her husband's back there, they led the small group. And 2016, my boyfriend and I walked into a small group in Memphis while visiting my twin sister. The group was called The Young and Restless. It was led by Andrew and Amber Morton, and I remember meeting Pastor Troy there. Everyone was so nice and immediately made us feel like we were welcome and we were family. And about a year after my first visit, Amber contacted me to let me know that some people from that church were thinking about moving to the area that I lived in Nashville to plant a church. One time when they visited, they reached out to us to show them around town. I remember going to dinner with everyone, and most of the people at the dinner were complete strangers to us. There was still something so special about that group of people. They made us feel like a part of their group, common people. The group was small and mighty, so we went... We also went to a movie with the group, and it was such a fun time getting to fellowship. And after spending some time with them, we knew that if God did bring them to Middle Tennessee, we would feel honored to be a part of the team and to plant the church. Fast forward a few months, and the families from Memphis moved to Middle Tennessee, and interest parties started happening, and Victory Church became a reality. We were so excited to see God use us to reach others. God use us to reach others. Common people. What would you say the movie theater was the common place? and then common purpose. We know that our story matters. Everything happens in its time. My boyfriend and I have been inseparable for almost a decade now, and next week we are taking the next step in our relationship. We're getting married. It's been an incredible journey getting to this point in our lives. Truth be told, we both know that we were born for such a time like this. Our involvement in Victory Church has helped us grow beyond measure. We've both grown spiritually as individuals and as a couple, and there is something to be said about surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals They say light color? Nope. 
like social, nope, like minded individuals. And we're so thankful God brought victory in our lives. We're blessed to be able to witness and be surrounded by other couples and families. Our church family has been nothing short of supportive of our relationship and they've encouraged us and been the push we need to take next step into our marriage. We have finally found our home. So this couple walks into a small group of common people in a common place with a common purpose. And God started something then that finishes right here. Watch this. We are getting married on the day we met 10 years ago. We couldn't think of a better way to start our marriage than by recommitting our lives together to God. We know that God will bless our decision in taking the next step in our relationship. We want to be each other's partner in our faith journey. We want to be an example of a godly marriage. We want our story to showcase that all things happen according to His plan. out. As you know, we're having water baptisms in a couple weeks. And Casey and Tony come to me and they say, listen, God has transformed our life. And we really want to get baptized to be able to show that. But we won't be here on the 26th. And they begin to share about the reason why they wanted to be baptized. And the concept of making yourself holy again to the Lord and to be able to enter that marriage in the most godly way that they could was started in a small group with Andrew and Amber followed itself all the way into one of the sweetest moments I've ever been a part of there's a time for us to realize that God has called us to change people's lives And it's going to happen in this building, and I believe that, but it's not just going to happen in this building. God has called you to impact people's lives, and it happens with common people in a common place with a common purpose. And as you begin to accept that and understand that, what will start as a, hi, my name is Casey. Hi, my name is Amber. Fast forwards two years later into people being baptized and being married in an honor of their relationship to God. This is what Jesus pictured all along. He said, I got to go. And whatever you do, don't neglect the church. Devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching because you need to be equipped. But understand that fellowship and breaking bread, the only thing that was on there twice was community. That's how God operates his purpose through us, church. But do me a favor, stand with me for a second. Because I think you fully understand the DNA of community. It's common people. I don't have to go back through that, what that means. And it's those common people in a common place. And it's those common people in a common place for a common purpose.
But here's the deal. Before you can ever set yourself in a place of community with other people, you have to make sure you're in community with God. So in John 17, oh, I'm sorry, in, in uh, Genesis 2, there's this moment where God's created this garden for community with his children, right? And in case you don't know it, the enemy comes through and steals that away. Convinces Adam and Eve to disobey God and he steals the community that God had with his children. Because God can't be around sin. God is holy. We're not expected to be holy because our God is holy. I'm made holy through him. So the moment that happened, I couldn't, couldn't have that community anymore. And so I think it's so interesting that in John chapter 19, where you're hearing about the crucifixion and what will eventually be the resurrection of Jesus, it says this, at the place where Jesus was crucified, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was what? A garden. So God created a garden so that we would have community. And Jesus modeled it in the garden. And then as Jesus is getting ready to be crucified, there's a, a garden. Hear me. The Bible and the gospel is a story of two gardens. The garden where man fell and the garden where Jesus took a stand. And what God lost in that garden, which was community with you and me, he sent his only son to die on a cross to restore that community in a garden. Are you ready for the purpose of church? Are you ready for the purpose of groups? Are you ready for the purpose of the gospel? Are you ready for it all? The only purpose, if anybody ever asks you about the purpose, the only purpose you need to know is this right here. Here's what you need to answer. To restore community with God. Why did God send his son to restore community with you? What he lost, he wanted back so bad that he sent his only son. You can die on a cross. You'll have to resurrect because I have to have community with my children. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about a father who's yearning to be back in community with his children. So do me a favor, just close your eyes for a second. I just felt pressed this morning to have a moment before we can ever move forward in your ability to impact other people and your ability to lead community, you've got to be in right community with God. And so here's what I'm going to do real quick. Two things. Don't, don't open your eyes. If you're in this place and you say that I've never committed my life to Jesus, I never understood that, but I'm interested. I would like to know more. I would like to have a moment where I can, I can communicate the relationship that I want with God so that I can restore community. If you would say, I want to restore community between me and God, do me a favor, just raise your hand for a second. Just raise your hand. Let me see it. Just put it in there. Praise God. In a moment, we're just going to worship. And when that time comes around, I want you, those that raised your hand, I just want you to have the most intimate conversation you can have with God. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. So all you got to say is, God, I want community with you. 
And if you're in here and you don't really understand what that means and you want to know what the next steps for that are, if you'll meet us in that tent, I promise we'll give you the next steps. But now for everybody in here, I think it's important for us to take moments every once in a while and just kind of re recalculate and, and recollaborate our community with God. And so however you would do it, if you raise your hands, if you don't, if you want to hug your spouse, hug a friend, hold a hand, whatever you might do, we're just going to have a moment here where we're allowing ourselves to have community with God. Lord, we come to you in this place because we believe you're in this place. And we're so thankful for what you did in John chapter 19. We're so thankful that what the enemy stole from us in Genesis 2, that God, before you ever created us, you created a place for us to have community with you because your heart is to be in community with us. And when Adam made a bad decision, the same decision all of us would have made enemy tried to steal that from us and he tried to take away our opportunity to have community with you and God you sent Jesus and in John chapter 19 he gave his life and Lord he was buried in a tomb in a garden to represent and to symbolize and to restore community between us and you and so right now God just for a few moments we want to experience that community in this place we want to experience your presence Experience your spirit. God, and be able to have community with you, Jesus. Hallelujah.